But every book, it's like, okay, now, now it's time to teach it again. But I haven't done that yet. But uh, actually, we're starting. Uh, one of the minor prophets next to me, Zechariah, Zechariah, which means the Lord remembers. And it is a very, very interesting book. Please start to read it uh, and to enjoy it. We're taking um, many months in the minor prophet of Zechariah. So we end one of the earliest letters of Paul. First Corinthians is one of his early ones. And it's written, of course, to a town called Corinth, which is in a section of southern Greece, uh, which will be named uh, in our uh, text today. You see we're looking at 15 through 24. Uh, Achaia is the section of Greece where Corinth is. Uh, Paul came down to Athens first and went up to Mars Hill, the Areopagus, it's called. And he uh, conversed with the highest level thinkers of his age there. Uh, at Mars Hill, it's, a, it's in, recorded in Acts chapter 17, some of the most interesting uh, texts from Paul himself. And then when you read into Acts chapter 18, you hear how he came to Corinth, and he went to the synagogue, which of course is the place where the Jews would meet, synagogue, as it means, uh, to gather together, that word. <coughs> And uh, he, he taught there about two weeks until they finally got so sick of him they chased him out. Uh, that's the kind of teacher Paul was. He wasn't actually there to uh, win friends and influence people as much as to teach the truth and to see how God draws his own to himself through the Holy Word of God. Uh, he's persuading and uh, arguing and uh, answering their questions, he, uh, but eventually they very quickly, in many cases, got sick and tired of it. And Paul, being kind of a, you know, maybe a not a timid man, he went out and found a new place to hold his meetings, which was next door to the synagogue. Yes. <laughs> I love that move of Paul. Okay, I'll leave. I'll be right over there if you're interested. Come on over. So uh, he continued to teach there, and the Lord opened a church in uh, Corinth. Jesus said, I will build my church. We don't have to build it. We are his servants. We are the stewards of his truth. We teach and preach, persuade, answer questions, love people. And we plant, but the Lord gives the increase. And this happened in Paul's life. And then he would move on to different uh, localities. And now he's in Ephesus. And the whole book of 1 Corinthians is about... He, he got reports back about the church in Corinth that um, things went kind of cuckoo and crazy in many, many ways. Uh, but once he left, there was some... Uh, first, one of the biggest issues was divisions. Imagine that. Human beings not getting along. <laughs> you know, this is, a, this is the daily reality of being a fallen, sinful, selfish selfish human being. We, we don't get along too well. We all, we, and, and Satan loves to turn up the heat on divisions. He loves to see, particularly, the church split 
becomes sulfur uh, in, in the stinky, messy relationships sometimes we have. And that's what was happening. There was division, that's a very big problem. And then, of course, there were moral failures. They, they were approving some crazy sexual sins going on in the church. And then there were huge doctrinal problems. Uh, and there were big issues with the, the sign gifts, speaking in tongues and prophesying, and all kinds of things like that. So we come to the end of this book, and like I said, we did we master it? No. But we had an introduction, and we'll go back and study it on our own many times over. But in the end, I think we've been worshiping and thinking and reading the psalm today about love. Uh, the psalm emphasized steadfast love. Verse 7, show us your steadfast love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Uh, wonderful Hebrew word if you like to read, uh, not dogmatically in any way, but we use the English standard version uh, here at church. Um, and they're very consistent with that word in the Hebrew Bible, steadfast love. It's the Hebrew word is chesed. Beautiful word describing God's durable love. Uh, he doesn't uh, leave us and divorce us the minute we are uh, causing a mess and grieving Him. He loves us and calls us back to repentance. He revives us. Uh, back when I was a kid, there was an old praise song about this. Restore us again, revive us again. And that's all. Revive us again. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, I know you've heard that one. Fill each heart with thy love. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, yeah. Even our African from Ghana knows this song. <laughs> Revive us again. And, and uh, that's what I want to talk about today. My title is Hot or Cold. <laughs> the, the general idea is God has hot love for us, active, real, passionate, intervening, redeeming love, chesed, steadfast love. In one of the, the songs we sang, it says we depend on the covenant of grace. I mean, you know, if you're saved, that should like put a shiver through your spine because we depend on how good God is and not on how good we are. We depend on our own goodness. We'd be lost forever. You know, make it your faith that if you think, how, how, oh Lord, could, would you ever listen to my prayer? We pray in whose name? Jesus', Jesus name. I come to you in the authority, in the righteousness, in the perfection, in the blood, the precious blood of the Lamb, all in, in through Jesus. He's the Savior, sufficient. Oh, you know, he's powerful. He saves us, you know what the book of Hebrews says? He saves us almost, just barely. It's just, just barely to jump the line. Uh, Eric, you're a Hebrew scholar in the book of Hebrews. Is that what it says? To the uttermost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And what today's text should ask us is, how is that affecting you? What is your response? What is my response to God's hot love? Uh, let's read the text then. Paul is speaking, obviously, as he closes. There's a lot of data here that we're not going to uh, fully get. But I want to think about it in terms of hot and cold, cold and hot. Uh, let me read a, a, a theme verse for today's message. This is from Jesus. This is what Jesus said. I, I know your works. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Revelation 3, 15 through 16. Now, hear the word of the Lord in 1 Corinthians 16. Now I urge you, brothers, He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people in the church. Brothers, I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus, that's a great Greek name, it means crown. I have a son-in-law named Stephan. Uh, cool name, Stephanus, Stephen, Steve. The household of Stephanus, by the way, are in the early part of this gospel. Remember he said, I mean in this letter, he said, I baptized the household of Stephanus. Uh, so he had a hands-on relationship with this household. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. And that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, to every fellow worker and laborer. So the sentence really is, I urge you brothers, be subject to these and to every fellow worker and laborer. And the case in point is the household of Stephanus. There was definitely a, Stephanus may have been the elder, one of the elders of the church. Somewhere in his household there is an elder. Uh, probably Stephanus is not made abundantly clear. But the word is to subject, to submit, be subject, to submit to such as these. Open this up a little later. I'm just reading uh, with exposition right now. Verse 17. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaius because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such men. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Let's pause there for a second. Uh, I didn't find this in other sources, but in the English Standard Bible, ESV Study Bible, made a really interesting comment, which some of you probably have in front of you, that in uh, archaeological digs around in sites where churches were, they've discovered several homes that apparently had a, 
modifications, renovations made on them to allow for a larger meeting room in, in their homes. Uh, in other words, house churches were really the thing. And we know that, of course, from history. But I think that's kind of cool. We've been able to demonstrate that through archaeology. Again, my only source is the English study Bible. Uh, but I think that's a pretty good source. Just point interest. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. He did this frequently at the end of his letters. In fact, at the end of Galatians, he says, look what large letters I'm writing. Uh, you think, we're pretty sure that Paul had really bad eyesight. And he wouldn't have written his own letters himself. He had a, probably a volunteer, a secretary, who would write out all of these, of course, write out by hand uh, everything that he said. But at the end, he says, let me take the pen now and finish this off with my own handwriting probably some calligraphy, you know, large letters uh, as he finished his letter. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. And we'll talk about this again a little bit later, but the language there is anathema, accursed, anathema, and then maranatha. Those two words together. Uh, Maranatha is the only time you find it in the Bible. Uh, it's interesting because it's not a Greek word. It's actually an Aramaic word, which is the language you know, that Jesus spoke primarily while he was on the earth, while he was raised in, in his home. That's what they spoke, Aramaic, not Arabic. Aramaic, Arabic didn't exist at this time. Aramaic, and it, it Interesting word. It probably means exactly what they've translated here, which is, our Lord come. It can, but it could mean, uh, the Lord, our Lord has come. Uh, but there's a little bit of disagreement again in some of the place. But it became a, a word used in the early church. They found records of it in uh, church writings, and it was a part of their greetings and their, even their communion service, Maranatha. And of course, it's become quite a popular word today. But there's a Maranatha College. There's all kinds of Maranatha, probably Maranatha publishers. I don't know. But it means, O oh Lord, come. Very similar to the very final words of the Holy Bible. Maranatha music. Maranatha music, right? It's huge. Yeah, yes. I thought so, yeah. Um, it's very similar to the, the idea of the, almost the very last words of the entire Bible, which is Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, and that's probably the idea of Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Anathema, Maranatha. There's even debate that, is it, is it, did he put those two things together? You know, let them be accursed and Lord come quickly to get this done with. We're tired of this division. It's, it's, it's wearying when uh, things are going awry uh, and we need you to straighten it out. Come Lord, is your kingdom come. Your will be done. Uh, it's very likely that is the feeling 
uh, of those two words together. And then 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So here's again the, the theme verse. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So that because, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I have a simple outline, three points. I'm going to pick up on this idea of responding to God's hot love uh, with a hot response, and not a cold response, and certainly not a lukewarm response either. Uh, through three points, I'm going to look at hot leaders, hot people who show their commitment without believing, and then hot greetings, and then finally hot cursings and blessings. So first of all, the, the hot servant leaders. Let me read this little part of this text again. Now I, I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the servants of the saints. So here's this household of Stephanus. He's a great example of this. What is commitment? You know, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. Yeah. They, they gave themselves. This, this word here, devoted, is very powerful. Um, they love the church. They know the church depends on them. They're going to care for the church like it's their little baby. If you know anything about the story of these emperors, penguins, uh, it's incredible. You probably saw that movie, right, that was released a few years ago. What's that thing called? It? Something like that. It's un unbelievable what these penguins do for their young. Uh, and that's this word devoted. One commentary Terry said it actually could be translated, they addicted themselves to the church. They were addicted to serving the saints. You know, did, did Christ die for the church? How important is the church to God? It, it's of utmost importance. It's the bride of Christ. How important is your bride, gentlemen? She should be <laughs> on the earth, A number one. You take a bullet for her. You do anything for her. If she asks you to rip out the drywall, you rip out the drywall. You don't even ask why. You just do it. You know? It's quicker that way, young guys. Just do it. <laughs> Devoted, it, 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 it's, the word is tasso, um, which means just to, to place yourself there, to set yourself there. They are committed, they are devoted, and so what does he say to do with them? There's actually kind of a play on words here, because the first thing is submit to them. In the Greek language, which Paul wrote in, that word is hupotasso. They, they, the verb he used for them is they were devoted. They, they were tasam. They committed themselves to the church. They're the leaders of this house church. Like I said, probably Stephanus was the, the, one of the primary elders there. And he used this 
powerful word in the New Testament, hupotasso. Yes, it's the same one in Ephesians where he says, out of love for Christ, submit to one another. It literally means to arrange yourself under, to place yourself under. And so when we have servant leaders who are committed, who are devoted, what should be our response? Well, of course, gossip about it. <laughs> of course, question their leadership. Of course, make their lives a living hell, you know. No, no, obviously no. That's not the way of the church. Uh, that's not the way it ought to be. We show our love for God by submitting to the leaders that he has brought to us. Now, in the context that they are loving the Lord and they are doing what's right, um, I'm not suggesting we submit to leaders who are not submitting to the Lord at all. So that's what he says in verse 16. Be subject, hupotasopu, such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. You know, there is a strong case that this, the overwhelming form of government in the church is, is eldership rule. Uh, very strong case for that. If you study it carefully in the book of Acts, they do include congregation. Uh, but the elders make a decision, and then the congregation is called to approve it, like in you know, several different cases. But here, clearly, he's saying we should follow them. It's not a democracy. That's not how we decide what God wants us to do. We submit to such as these. And also then, I want to pick up in, in verse 17, he says, I rejoice in the coming of Stephanus. Fortunatus and Achaeus are, it's the same word for Achaia, you know? Achaicus, there we go. Not a, not a name you hear too often anymore. <laughs> What's your name? Achaicus. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it sounds like, a, you know, some sort of cuss word or something. Achaicus. Um, but, but what is Paul doing here? He's doing, he's doing, Acknowledging. He's, he's looking around at the leaders in the church. How do we demonstrate love for God? It's by submitting to the leaders and acknowledging who they are. And then finally, uh, verse 18, for they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such men. And then I just say, appreciate them. Submit to the leaders. Acknowledge who they are and appreciate them. I have a very, very dear friend who, uh, be because pastors are so human and, and faulty, uh, you know, uh, put me in that category, uh, he's kind of gone the whole way, he's given up on the whole idea of, of pastors. He thinks there shouldn't be any recognized leadership and there's a whole denomination, uh, the, the Brethren, uh, in, in the United States. I don't know the state of this denomination anymore. But it's this idea that we really don't need leaders. We'll just come together and, you know, somebody will, you know, the Spirit will lead somebody to say something. And we'll sort of have our own little house church. And um, maybe we don't need to have recognized leadership. And, and again, that's, that's, that's overkill. There are problems with leadership. But we want to fix the problems. We want to throw out the entire biblical model 
of biblical leadership. Uh, he says we should appreciate them, we should acknowledge them, and we should submit to them. Now secondly, in this whole concept of how do we respond to God's love, and that is in our relationships with each other, I'm going to call it hot greetings. Hot greetings. Uh, as, as the text says, the churches of Asia send you greetings. There's this worldwide church uh, that is sending you greetings. What would be uh, the opposite of hot greetings? I think it would be more like this. I came to church, and I was so happy to see you. Let's <laughs> put a little energy into it here. Uh, he's saying the, the, the church is growing around the world. They're sending you greetings. And Quilla uh, and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, send you, what does it say, hearty greetings. See that? Um, this is not just a greeting that is half-hearted, that is full, it's, it's strong. Many, many greetings. They're, they're, they, they love you. They, they may have not even met you, but you're a believer, and we're one in Christ. So we should have hearty greetings. And then look what he says here. All the brothers send you greetings. All the brothers. Um, all the brothers and sisters. Clearly, uh, the idea that we should be all greeting each other. We're, we are a family. Uh, and then finally, look at this. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, I'm embarrassed to teach this, right? Why? Because we're not going to be doing this, probably. Uh, you might say, well, why not? Well, but let's, let's put it this way. It's clearly not suggesting that we have sort of a distant semi-relationship with people in the church. Uh, he's saying that we should have a warm, personal, outgoing relationship with God's people. Uh, even the people uh, around the world, the lovers of Jesus around the world. And we show our love for God by even pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and being willing to greet one another with love and with energy. I have a brother-in-law, I'm a Christian, and uh, he, my, he, he has a lot of issues. He's a, you know, nobody's perfect. Uh, but the one huge strength about Christian is, you know, whenever you meet him, he acts like you're the most important person in the world, and he's so, he is genuinely happy to see you. Uh, and he wants to, he doesn't kiss you, <laughs> but he warmly greets you. You know, he comes out and makes you feel like, wow, you really are important. And, and that's what Paul is saying here. We, have, we ought to have hot greetings, which is love for each other. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So, you know, in the Middle East, uh, they would hug and do the you know, two-side kissing thing, uh, which I, you know, I'm not comfortable with it. I was just thinking of a funny story. Back in our former church, uh, uh, Charlotte and I helped him lead one of the Sunday school classes, and we've been there for several years. And uh, my parents came out from New Jersey to visit us. And uh, when they would meet our friends from the church, our friends would come up to my mother and dad and give them big, big hugs. 
you know. <laughs> and afterward, my mom was so uncomfortable with this. Because she's, she's never ever, this would never ever happen <laughs> for, for her. She went to church every week, but she probably never hugged anybody ever at that church. It's just not her cultural thing at all. She's raised in this sort of non-emotional Scandinavian uh, Norwegian home, and her father was a Norwegian lumberjack, you know. <laughs> and for him, you know, affection was. <laughs> and so she's just like so uncomfortable with this, uh, not really quite ready for that show of affection. But uh, we ought to show some affection. We ought to show our hot love for Jesus by greeting each other uh, and loving on each other. Now let's close then with the last part. Shifting gears, the same concept of, of hot versus cold, which is hot cursings and blessings. Uh, I, I find this text to be really, really strong, really potent. Verse 21, which says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. You know, what is, what is Grandpa going to say? What will Paul the Apostle say as he writes with his own hand? Well, he's not passing out s'mores. He's not saying, here, here's another marshmallow for you to roast. He's not saying something that should be ignored. He's saying something that's powerful and really shares his heart, really opens up his heart. Because uh, this is the biggest issue ever. He says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Um, let him be a person. As I said, the, the words are uh, anathema and maranatha uh, to right here together in this text. But the word accursed is anathema. Really an old Greek word means to, to, to photo, take an evil thing and burn it and give it over to the, the gods. Uh, uh, to give it over. The, the Hebrew idea of devoting something to destruction. They're under the ban, devoted to destruction. And why is he saying such a horrible thing? Well, he, he's, he's not just saying that, you know, in, in a lapse of, of attention, this person didn't show enough, you know, he didn't greet me properly, <laughs> so cuss him! <laughs> uh, no, no, no. He's saying somebody whose whole life has gotten to the point where they just show no love. For the Lord Jesus. They, they've heard all about the fact that he became a man, the fact that he died for our sins, that he took the wrath of God for us. They've heard all about that. And after a while, they just yawned and turned away. They, they don't have hot love. You know, they might be barely, you know, tepid, lukewarm. They're probably more just cold and yawning. Um, I remember a terrible conversation between a couple of my cousins, one of my uh, cousin, um, and one of the, they were, they, he, he was raised in the church, his dad was a pastor, he was part of church, 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 and then when he became a young man, he just completely gave it up, you know? and completely lived his life, in, uh, completely separated from the church, and he was a man with, with great needs. God has blessed him. He made lots and lots of money in his life. Uh, and he spent it on his own pleasures. And one time his son said to him, well, Dad, well, what are we? 
he said, well, we're Christians. You know, the son had no idea. It was a young adult son. He said, well, you know, what are we, Dad? Well, we're Christians. No, you're not. Paul is saying, you're not demonstrating that you're born again. You have every reason to doubt your salvation. You know, like you should doubt it. This is why he says this. You're going to be accursed if you're not showing hot, committed, devoted love to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is no game, right? This is, this is black and white. There, there is, this is a silly slide, but there's no gray here. There's no middle ground. It's, it's, it's literally black and white. And, and because it's this issue. You know, it's heaven or hell. That's what's at stake here. And we're not playing a game here. This is not a culture, a country club. You know, people might think there's sort of a, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> but they're, they're not demonstrating. They think there's, there's just this cultural, cultural uh, connection. And that makes me a Christian. And Paul's saying, no. It, it's how you demonstrate your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you respond to his steadfast love? How do you respond to his covenant of grace? If you're born again, you love him. And you're repenting. You say, Lord, make me your servant. You know, forgive me. Strengthen me so that I can love you. you know, what is the, what's the basic command? Love the Lord your God with everything. Your heart, soul, mind, strength. And, and that's what this text is really, really about. Heaven or hell. So, how do we finish this off? Well, as I said earlier, love is an action. God didn't sit there and emotionally say, I, I love you. <laughs> I really, really like you. Like a you know, fifth grader might do. <laughs> I remember one time I was in fifth grade and I got that note from this cute little girl. Uh, her name was Melinda, I remember. <laughs> and she said in this note, I really, really like you. And it just like blew me away. I had no idea how to handle this, right? And I, I never even sort of even noticed her before, but all of a sudden she was everything. <laughs> uh, just crazy. That's you know, that's not God's love. You know, his love is action. His love is you know, rubber meets the road. Make it work, you know, fix the problem, reconcile. Redeem. That's what God's love is. I'd like to close with uh, the reading that you already uh, hit, but the wider context of Revelation 3 is the quote I have, I put it on here again for you. It's in Revelation 3, you might want to turn there. It's, it's the famous. Note from Jesus to the town of Laodicea. And uh, without a whole lot of comments, just listen, listen to this message. This is what Jesus said. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, 
the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And the question is, do you want to be spit? Do you want to be a, a hump of saliva coming out? No, 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 no. Lord forbid. Lord forbid. Verse 16, so, I mean verse 17, for you say, I'm rich. That sounds like America. I have prospered. How, you know, real estate rates, uh, real estate values in California are zooming way up. They're, they're past where they were before the fall of, of, of 06, 07, 08, 09. I have prospered. I, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus said, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to crawl through the eye of a needle. Why is that? You know, I'm rich, I'm prospering, I've got everything I need, I've got great insurance. I've got, I've got life insurance. You know, I'm, I'm totally protected. Nothing can happen to me. Nothing. And, and Jesus said, wait a minute, you're naked. You know, spiritually, you're, you're, you don't have my clothes. You're blind. You don't see your wretchedness. You're poor. You're pitiable. There's nothing more pitiable than someone who thinks they're prepared and they're not. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refine my fire so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. The solve and solves to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. That word might be, was it salve? Uh, to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. We need a miracle intervention from God. If we're not showing love for God, we're not born again. We're not saved. So he's saying, come and repent. Come to me. Let me meet your needs. I have sufficient Savior. Verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Why would Paul be so harsh here? Why can't he be just nice? Can't he just you know, give us a marshmallow? You know, let us roast it and have fun with some more. No, 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 no. He, he, he's, he's harsh because he loves us. And Jesus says, I love you. That's why I'm being so harsh here. He says, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And that birth is all to the church. Why is that? Because the church, Jesus said, is a mixed bag. You know? there's, there's weeds and there's wheat all growing together. So even in the church, there's people who need to repent and come to Jesus. They're not living for the Lord Jesus. They're not saved. 
They're not born again. They need to come to Christ as their one and only Savior. And, and, and you and I need to constantly repent and beg God for strength to serve Him like Stephanus. So there we go. Hot servant leaders, hot greetings, and hot cursings and blessings show our love for the Lord. Sure. Okay, welcome. I won't miss you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it says in the in the word it says salute. And my son's in the airport here in California and stuck from Oklahoma from the jazz festival. Oh cool. And uh, the way I arrived this morning was by GPS. And they they have that out here.
know because I have one brother named Stan. <laughs> well, Jeremy should be uh, calling it a day, or if you want us to close out with a song too. Yeah, we should sing it. You, uh, okay.